who has won two Oscars, been nominated for four, and written some of the most iconic big jazz movie scores of modern day cinema, all under the age of 40? Only one man can claim that crown, Justin Hurwitz. Cinematic Symphony. Justin Gabriel Hurwitz was born in 1985, making him just 38 years old at the time of this recording. He was born unto a professional ballet dancer turned registered nurse in his mother and a writer in his father, Ken Hurwitz. Born in Los Angeles, he moved to Wisconsin in 1998 at the age of 13 to live out the remainder of his youthful years. His favorite musician to play on the piano as a child? Beethoven. Once he graduated Nicolette High School, he attended Harvard University and was roommates with none other than Damien Chazelle. Hurwitz has said that while attending college, him and Chazelle really bonded over a shared philosophy of working really hard and sacrificing starting in their sophomore year. I remember we would really egg each other on and make each other feel guilty for not working hard enough, he said. We just had a lot of conversation about how we both wanted to be really, really good at what we do and what it would take. Well, Justin, my man, you spoke it into existence. Hurwitz scored Chazelle's student film that would eventually become Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench that released in 2009. While at Harvard, Hurwitz became a member of the Harvard Lampoon, an undergraduate humor publication that is the world's third longest running, continually published humor magazine. More on his humor writing in just a few minutes. Also while at Harvard, he became an original member of the indie pop band Chester French with Chazelle, who was on the drums. His time in the band was short as he left just a year later. After his time at Harvard, Chazelle moved to Los Angeles, where he wrote for what I believe to be an incredibly underrated sitcom and one of my personal favorites, The League. He wrote seven different episodes spanning five different seasons of the show from 2011 to 2015. During that time, he also wrote one episode of The Simpsons titled The Falcon and the Doe Man in 2011. Rounding out his writing resume, he is credited with writing four episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm, three in 2017, and one in 2020. So I guess if the man stops winning Academy Awards for his work in musical score, he can write a bit of comedy instead. Justin Hurwitz is, of course, best known for his collaboration with longtime friend and director Damien Chazelle. Some would even say that the two are synonymous in making jazz-fueled stories for the big screen. Hurwitz has scored every single one of Chazelle's films, starting with his true directorial debut of Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench in 2009, then onto the acclaimed Whiplash in 2014, the even more acclaimed La La Land just two years after in 2016, the hidden masterpiece that is First Man in 2018, and Babylon in 2022. Oh, my beloved Babylon. But let's start at the beginning. Hurwitz scored Chazelle's student film while attending Harvard, which later became Guy and Madeline on a park bench that released in 2009. If you listen to the score of this film, you might hear some familiar melodies that Hurwitz revisited later in his career. Due to the success of Guy and Madeline on a park bench, Chazelle was able to obtain financing for his next film that also started out as a smaller project, Whiplash. Justin Hurwitz scored this film as well and thus ushered in a new era of him and Chazelle becoming movie collaborators of the highest level. While Whiplash was nominated for five Academy Awards and took home three of those, Justin Hurwitz himself did not receive any nominations for his score. That was about to drastically change, however, as just two years later, he started a fire with his indelible La La Land score. The movie was nominated for 14 Oscars, 
And Hurwitz himself was nominated three separate times. First for Best Original Score, which he of course won, and then twice in the same category for Best Original Song for his creation of the songs City of Stars and Audition, The Fools Who Dream. That was his big break. This moment confirmed he was the real deal when it came to composing films, and more specifically, jazz-centered films. Not to mention, he was only 31 at the time. Now, La La Land is my favorite movie of all time, so I may be a bit biased. But his work on this film is unparalleled, creating a globally recognized jazz score that not only was an excellent aid in telling the story of the film, but telling a story itself. Two years later, Hurwitz and Chazelle once again teamed up, this time taking a slight departure from the ideologies of jazz and onto the ideologies of America landing on the moon. First Man, the story of astronaut Neil Armstrong and his legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon, offered Hurwitz an opportunity to create something different with his score. Otherworldly, idyllic, and lonesome, he produced something much more grounded, or should I say, floating, that was a departure from the energy and boisterous nature of his previous scores. The film was nominated for four Oscars, winning one, but Hurwitz only came home with the Golden Globe for Best Original Score. That's still an impressive achievement for something that added a new layer of depth to his oeuvre. Hurwitz's latest collaboration with Chazelle, four years after First Man and releasing in 2022, was Babylon. Oh my dear, dear Babylon. A movie about the dark and deceptive nature of Hollywood in the roaring 20s, Hurwitz was able to revisit his love for jazz while infusing it with pop and rock and roll. He was nominated for Best Original Score at the Academy Awards, but unfortunately, and wrongfully, walked away empty-handed. A score that ever so slightly draws on previous melodic tunes, Hurwitz created the score to Babylon with the idea that if someone listened to it in five or even ten years, they would know exactly which film it belonged to and who created it. A young American composer that is single-handedly redefining the nature of jazz-fueled scores, bringing old Hollywood to the forefront and updating what is possible in the world of musical scores, Justin Hurwitz is kind of a big deal. Just a little bit. While Hurwitz doesn't appear to be attached to any upcoming projects, you can only imagine that once Damien Chazelle's first look deal at Paramount kicks in, Hurwitz will be there to score whatever film his journey may produce. And I, for one, can't wait to see what Hurwitz is able to drum up next. I'm Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lahorn. And we are the hosts of 24 Minutes of A24, a podcast about the movie and television library of A24. This place rules. So come join us in the green room every single Friday as we review both past A24 projects and the latest talks of the A24 town. We've even heard of some people entering a state of euphoria while listening to us. So come on, come on with us as we talk about both the uncut gems and the A24 projects that are everything, everywhere, all at once. It's a guaranteed good time, even if we usually run longer than 24 minutes, which is basically every single time. We try our hardest to take some funny pages out of our podcasting book and A24 knowledge and live the high life here on the pod. So whether you're joining us in Midsommar or you've been listening to us all throughout your past lives, we can't wait for you to join us every week. Be sure to tune in every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else podcasts are, and even YouTube to join in on the A24 fun. 11 A24 project references, man. We did it. And I think this might be the first time the pod has ever been under 24 minutes. We did it, Ben. We did it. Wow. Hi, I'm Leah. And I'm Bethann. And we're She Will Rock You. She Will Rock You is a bi-weekly podcast about rock history. Each episode, we talk about an artist and their lives, but we do it a little differently. 
You see, we noticed there was a lack of ladies hosting music podcasts, so we wanted to fix it. And here we are, two badass millennial ladies talking about rock music our parents wouldn't let us listen to. As a bonus, you'll even get our beer recommendations at the end. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, don't don't do drugs! I'm Klein Felt. I'm David Thompson. I'm Jack Pews. I'm Thomas Carter Rochester. And this is Reckless Rebellion. The podcast with enough chaotic energy to fuel a Death Star. All about the wars in the stars. Join us weekly as we dive into all corners of galactic news in the Rebel Report, review upcoming episodes of Star Wars content, and host games such as drafts, brackets, rankings, the rating game, and many more. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now this was podcasting. All right, now we are at the roundtable portion of the Justin Hurwitz podcast. I've been greatly looking forward to this uh, roundtable to talk about my my beloved Justin Hurwitz, honestly, and and more realistically, my beloved movies that he has scored. Of course. I'm not here to speak alone. I have a couple of wonderful people joining me for this roundtable conversation. First up, I want to introduce uh, Ben Lahorn, uh, my my co-host from 24 Minutes of A24, has graced us, graced me with his presence, um, and I truthfully thought he was going to just skip out so he didn't have to talk about Babylon, but here we are, Ben. You did it, <laughs> and you made it, and I'm proud of you. We're here. This is I a had true to... friend moment. This it is. really is. Um yep. Because I'm here to contribute to half of this discussion uh, <laughs> because I have seen two of the five that he's done, but I, I love the two that I've seen and I, I just had to be here. I unfortunately haven't been able to make one yet and I'm excited to be here for this one. Excited to talk about these movies. Um, and, you know, Babylon is probably my favorite movie that falls under the Rotten Tomatoes 60%. Um, we recently did a draft on another <laughs> podcast and it was like my first pick because oh I'm like, my God. this is the best movie that somehow the critics don't love. So wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to be here to talk about how much I love Babylon. I can't wait to hear it, honestly. Yeah. And I will yeah. just, I will just pretend to believe everything that you say. Um, and of course, Bethany Tarpley, the creator of this lovely podcast that has brought all of us together, talking about some wonderful uh, composers throughout film. Uh, Bethann, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. And um, what's your take on Babylon? Just right out of the gate since we're doing this. I need to know. It's a movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be a tough round table. This <laughs> sounds but like I my, am... <laughs> uh, my review for Larry Crown. I was like, oh, this is technically a movie. There's <laughs> actors and scenes and everything. but i am very glad to be here in support of ethan believe it or not despite all of our shit talking on other podcasts back and forth (laughs) you know this is a time for us you know me and you ethan this is a time for us to just bury the hatchet if you will i i appreciate that i'm i'm glad that we could do it over my love of justin hurwitz um now I have given, um, you know, kind of the introduction of this pod is all about him and his his career. Um, kind of unlike any of the other people that have been covered so far in the show, Justin Herbert doesn't have a big history. He's 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 not, um, you know, one of these huge names that's been composing scores for the last thirty five or forty years. He's still relatively new, and he is still pretty much getting his footing in Hollywood. Um, and of course him and Damon Chazelle are, are, you know, two peas in a pod. We will obviously talk about that. We've already started talking about Babylon. Uh, but to kind of kick off this round table, I'm just curious, Ben, you mentioned you've seen two out of the five, uh, Beth Ann, I'm, I'm sure you've seen at, at least one, maybe two, three, I don't know. Um, three so, or four, yeah. okay, perfect. So I'm just curious, what, what was your introduction? Um, uh, Ben, I'll start with you. What was your introduction to Justin Hurwitz? What's the first movie you remember hearing his score um, alongside? So the first one I remember seeing in theaters was La La Land. Um, you love to see it. I just, I don't remember if I saw Whiplash at home before that or not, but mm-hmm. like my, my instinct just to say La La Land. And obviously it's a great soundtrack, especially on the big screen. It was something that immediately was like, oh, I need to get this album because like, there's some, there's some great music here. Uh, it's a really fun movie. 
And I think it wouldn't work half as well without the music behind it. So that's the, that's the first thing I remember seeing with his score. What about you, Bethann? My first is Whiplash. What mm. I love, well, one, you know, Damien Chazelle, the jazz connoisseur, and Jonathan Hurwitz, the actual jazz guy. Um, you know, that movie is so suspenseful. And I feel like Justin really captures well just the like intensity of what it is to be in the music world. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies solely because of what Justin does with the music. And, you know, there's really I mean, La La Land is more of the music based one, I would say the more soundtrack based. But I feel like Whiplash is way more. It's just got this gusto to it. It's more simplified and things like that. But we'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I just rewatched Whiplash a couple of weeks ago, and that is that is a, a five star film right there. And Ben, like you mentioned with La La Land, like these movies don't work without this kind of a Hurwitz score. And I think it's incredibly fascinating that Chazelle and Hurwitz were roommates in college, and they both just basically were just like. I, I want to sacrifice and like be the best at what I want to be. And, and they kind of did that together and they just started down this path that um, has seen both of them, you know, be nominated for Academy Awards and, and take some home and um, be robbed of some. And, you know, it feels like a whole journey so far. I think for me personally, um, I, what I remember the first time hearing Hurwitz is in La La Land and I'm a huge fan of musicals. Like, I just really love them. I didn't really start falling in love with movies until about 2019. So I'm still like fairly recent in my movie, you know, consuming career. But I remember going to see La La Land at this place called the Living Room Theater in um, downtown Portland and super nice, like cool recliners and they're very small auditoriums. And I remember I saw it three times there because I just, I was just obsessed. Like I, that was like, the movie that kind of unlocked like oh shit like movies can be totally transcendent and they can totally transport you somewhere and of course this score um that goes along with it that Hurwitz did uh nominated for Hurwitz himself nominated for three academy awards out of that movie which is which is pretty unreal um so I think we are all kind of spoiled like in terms of Justin Hurwitz like hearing Whiplash first or hearing La Land first like that is the real like elite tier type composer stuff, especially for modern day um, soundtracks and scores and even more so for modern day jazz in, in movies. Um, You know, and I think Damien Chazelle, I I briefly mentioned, we kind of talked about so far, you, you look at some of the people that have been covered even on this pod and especially like through film history, right? You have like Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan, although someone, someone argue Ludwig Gorenson now has kind of usurped that with Oppenheimer. I I might, (laughs) I might argue that, um, you, you know, you've got John Williams or, and Steven Spielberg, and then you've got Hurwitz and Chazelle, these guys that basically just do everything together. They are just kind of at the hip. They, they decide, um, what their projects are going to be together. They've now made five movies together. So we've got Guy and Madeline on a park bench, Whiplash, La La Land, First Man, and Babylon. Um, Bethany, I'll, I'll start with you. Which of these movies have you seen? And then which one is your personal favorite? We'll start off with our favorites and then we'll go to least favorites. Yeah. Looking at the list, I have come to learn I've only seen two. I thought Greatest Showman was on this list, but I got it wrong with the, <laughs> the other guy that worked on Hallelujah. And I, let me dude. tell you, I was ready to shit on Greatest Showman. I was looking forward to it and I'm oh. mad that I got It's because my boy Hurwitz didn't do it. That's why. Oh, that's smart. Well, you know, because I remember when the previews came out, they're like... <laughs> Featuring the the songwriters of La La Land. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I heard it and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Um, I mean, my favorite is... Oh, man. I love Whiplash Lot on the line here, friendship-wise. I'm just letting you know. But I think La La Land edges it out just a smidge. Like, mm. not... We're talking, like, m- Milla... Inches, whatever it's called, yep, <laughs> centimeters. That's, right. inches. that's a very real uh, <laughs> yeah, measurement there. Listen, well, I've it's been a busy day at work. What are is we drinking high? tonight, Beth Ann? What are we is drinking that tonight? Water or is that two eyes in a row? I'm drinking like, water right now. 
<laughs> you take milla and then hyphen inches. Yep. I'm sure it. that's how Justin Hurwitz is like measures his success. He's like, if I could just make this a, a few milli inches better than my previous score. That's how close he was to winning for Babylon. He was just milli inches away. It. He was so close. He's got to be a millifoot above the competition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I love anyway. you so La La Land is is your favorite. Um, yeah. Ben, you mentioned you have seen two as well. Which have you yeah. seen and, and which one's your favorite? Uh, I think same as uh, Bethann Whiplash and La La Land. Um, you know, I got to say, like, the drummer in me gives Whiplash the edge because mm-hmm. I, I appreciate in a movie when someone, like, is actually drumming when they took the time to learn the skill. Like, you, it's something you can definitely tell, I think, with a lot of music. Um, and I don't know. I just, I love that. If you, if you know, it's, it's kind of a thing where if you give me these two and just like, which one do you want to watch right now? Like I would throw on whiplash. Not mm-hmm. that I would be mad if La La Land was chosen. You know what I mean? Like, again, we're talking milli inches here. Like it's not like <laughs> super far above it, but, uh, I love the story of it. JK Simmons is just like fucking brutal and ruthless in this movie. And yeah. it's amazing. And then Miles Teller just like having to react off that. Plus, don't we, isn't his dad like is Paul Reiser, right? Is that his dad mm-hmm. in this movie? Like the ultimate is, that guy. Yeah, which is always kind of fun. So um Whiplash, then La La Land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then unfortunately that's all I can talk about. Even though I love Babylon. Um, I know you do. But yeah, I would be in big, third place. Big fan. Big fan. Um I think it's really fascinating that if you go on Spotify and if you go to Justin Hurwitz, right, you go to this is Justin Hurwitz, and, and it kind of has some of his his bigger hits and the things that people might know him for. Um, I think the first song that he has on there for Whiplash is Fletcher's Song in Club, is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And that is that is where um, basically Miles Teller walks in on J.K. Simmons playing in the club, which is just like a, not really a throwaway, but, but definitely a more low-key kind of song to put on a list like this. But I think it's really intriguing because it does... Um, prove that Hurwitz is always striving to add milli inches to his score. He's always mm-hmm. trying to get better and better and better, even in the songs that are that are truly like background scores. Um, so I've seen four out of these five. I have not seen Guy and Madeline on a park bench. I have, however, listened to the score. And I mentioned this in the beginning of the of the pod, but um, if you listen to that score, it sounds near identical to La La Land. It seems like a lot of the um, kind of melodies that Hurwitz was able to find, he just found them too early and and waited and wanted to put them in something else that had a, a much bigger budget and bigger stars and was a bigger movie. So I think that's a really interesting facet. Um, of course, La La Land is my favorite movie of all time, so I, I feel kind of indebted to say, like, it's La La Land. Um, I have, you know... I, I have three separate vinyls of La La Land. One of them is a regular one of, of like the all of the songs, right? The soundtrack. The other one is the score specifically. So it is the original score, um, which was a like a limited pressing. Um, and then the third one that I have is actually a, an, again, like another limited pressing that was like a blue vinyl that was only available like the first weekend that that vinyl came out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that. that framed. Yeah, I have that framed in my house. And like, I just, I just adore that. So I think that speaks pretty clearly to how much I like the La La Land score. And I think it's truly something that, that is soaring. And um, Ben, you said it. I think without that score, that movie just doesn't, it doesn't work. It just doesn't hold that weight and that um, kind of like veracity and energy that it really thrives on. I love, I love Whiplash. I love Babylon. I think the, underrated score is definitely first man i think there's been kind of as of late like this renaissance of like hey first man's actually kind of a masterpiece like let's recognize that um and if you've listened to the score you'll know there are songs like um armstrong's cabin um and then the armstrong specifically that are just like such a departure for Hurwitz, but are also so incredible like he just has this range that he can jump from this very boisterous jazz in La La Land or Whiplash and then do something that is like really uh, a different tone and a different pace in First Man. Um, So you guys have only seen two movies, so I I would assume the least favorite would be the other one if you haven't seen any of the other movies. But if you've listened to the scores, I'm curious, least favorite maybe out out of these scores, 
Um, ben, do you do you have a least favorite here? I'm. So I have. I've listened to the Babylon score, and I've listened okay. obviously to Lawland and Whiplash, and it's really hard to pick because for the scores, it's weird that Whiplash is probably my favorite of the movies, but probably the score I would listen to the least. Um, okay. cause I, I like La La Land and I think the whiplash or, or the Babylon score is really good. Um, but again, it's a game of mill inches. You guys, you know, this isn't <laughs> like, this isn't far and away, you know, the best or anything like that. Like it's all, you know, it's all good. Like there's nothing bad here, but if I'm, if I'm again, like thinking about you're putting these three in front of me, what am I going to put on? Like chances are, I'm going to throw on La La Land just cause I probably, connect with that one the most. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I mean, I like them all. Yeah. I look, I think that's a great sound bit. I like them all. I think that's exactly what Justin clip it. That's the promo. I like them all. Likes them all. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Beth Ann, what about you? So I've heard parts of first man. I haven't heard Babylon, but Babylon is on Amazon prime and it is believe this or not, Ethan, it is on my list. To watch yes but um, did it it is it is there it is there so i think just going off the snippets i heard i mean first man's good but that's probably gonna i just have such an affinity for whiplash and la la land mm-hmm. i think it's kind of like what ben said it's kind of like this connection point and for la la land especially like it just brings me in because when i went to go see it, it was such an emotional experience i just connected with it and i think that's also the power of music and that's why i tend to and it whiplash too. It was a tensity that I could feel. So I would probably just throw first man out if I had to, but that's a travesty. Uh, that's too bad. Out. I'm just, just saying. Throw it out. <laughs> but I mean, Send it to the just, just throw it. <laughs> I know he's technically done five, but I mean, guy and Madeline was such a limited release. Like it made 35 right. grand. It's not rated. So I feel safe in saying he's really done four feature films. And it's crazy that he has, four nominations like two wins and two oscar noms like his track record's pretty solid like he's four for four in my mind so again that's a thing where it's not like he doesn't have a dud you know he doesn't have thor the dark world of soundtracks you know that (laughs) we gotta just like uh, let's kind of forget that that happened um they're all solid so it's just like it's kind of a not a loaded question but it's hard to answer it's like i don't know like you're like what's the worst of the best you know yeah, totally agree. And it is a, it is one of those situations where uh, you just are, at least I am just like kind of grateful that um, Chazelle and Hurwitz like like found each other and like they, they were just like, hey, we, we like we are on the same level and we and we care about the same things and we want to make the same kind of stuff because um, then we get stuff like this. Like like you said, it's it's four for four. Like I just don't <laughs> I just don't see if you have all of these movies pitted against each other that's hard for me because it's like well yeah la la land is like my favorite movie but also like in my opinion these are all five-star movies and like i try to be very like studious about giving out five stars but in like that's you can't just... say those two sentences back to back <laughs> <laughs> they're all five-star movies and i only give them to these movies <laughs> it's, it's just tough i mean I think it is interesting. I was going to say Guy and Madeline, like you mentioned, it's kind of a cop-out answer for like a least favorite. I think Babylon's really fascinating in this conversation. And as the only person who's seen it, um, the score... Multiple times. And yes, this is correct. Multiple times. And I do own the steelbook. Um, the score and the the movie are kind of two separate entities. And I really feel like of course, as is the case with most things, like, right, like, if you dove into La La Land and you just listened to the score, you don't, like, you don't really get it. You don't really, like, capture everything that, that it represents, right? So, um, seeing the movie does change, like, how I feel about Babylon, but as a score itself is probably the one that I would just be like, I gotta be in the right headspace to listen to Babylon. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot. Like, Coke Room is, is a lot. And Voodoo Mama is is a lot. It is incredible, like music making, but it is just so intense and it is so uh, verbose that, which is exactly what they wanted. But it's very, uh, it's a, it's a lot to handle all at once. Um, so he's only worked with Chazelle. 
which I think is really fascinating. Chazelle just got a first look deal at Paramount. Of course, if the, if the strikes don't take this first deal, uh, first look deal away, I would assume that whatever Chazelle works on next, Horowitz will be right next to him. In a in a nice game of like, um, but what if? Uh, what if Horowitz chose to work with someone else for his for his next movie? I'm curious, uh, Bethan, is there a director specifically where you're like, oh, that would be kind of cool to see Hurwitz work with this person? Not director, directors. I would say ah. the Coen brothers. And here's Ooh. why. Oh, So Coen brothers has two different styles of movie making, right? They make their serious No Country for Old Men. And then they make their Burn After Reading Big Lebowski oddball films. And I feel like if they made another oddball film, which they haven't done since the Buster Scruggs film, mm-hmm. I feel like a Justin Hurwitz jazz might bode well. Like you bring George Clooney in, you bring, you know, a really yeah. goofy script that has no purpose to it whatsoever. It's just dialogue and great written lines. Um, I think that'd be a really fun project. I think and they've worked with Babylon star Brad Pitt as well, who's also <laughs> worked with Clooney, so that could be fun. There it's go. like a little ocean. There we in. go. Yeah. We got it. <laughs> what about you, Ben? Um, mine, it's actually kind of ties into this podcast perfectly because I feel like there's been two directors that have kind of come up at the same time and they've had their composers tied next to them. And I think it'd be fun to do a little wife swap maybe oh, you know yeah. um but what if we let him go with kugler and what if kugler made a movie actually about jazz and then um let Hurwitz like you know what i mean like yeah. do that score like we know he can do it and kugler is a great director i would love to see obviously it's it's, it's hard to separate them because it's hard to think of like chazelle and Gorenson working together but i i feel like the 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 I don't know if they're masters yet, you know what I mean? But like these people that are just so good at what they do find a way to fit in with each other. And I think it could be just a kind of a fun, like let's swap partners for a project and see how it goes. Um, And I I mean, I have faith in Kugler and anything that he does. So I think it'd be kind of fun to see them together. Those are, those are both really good answers. And I'm the one who came up with the question. I don't even have a very good answer. Um, (laughs) So he's, he is, he's 39 years old right now. And, I just I just want to propose this idea of of Christopher Nolan and Ludwig Göransson doing Oppenheimer. Hans Zimmer has been Nolan's guy. They that they have made some iconic scores together, of course. Um, and a lot of Nolan's movies, the the scope really could only be captured by uh, by Zimmer. So I think that it it it, it begs the question. You know, in 15 years, in 20 years, who, like, where is Herbert's going to go where he injects that electricity that we saw from Gordonson into Oppenheimer where you're like, oh my God, like, I can't believe this was the guy that was, like, destined to make this score. What is, what is, what is Herbert's project going to be and who is that going to, who is that director going to be in, in 10 or 15 or 20 years? I have no idea, but I think it's a really fascinating question to ponder because I can totally see that being the case since him and Chazelle work so closely together on everything. I did want to put out, um, I think it'd be really interesting to see him kind of tackle like like something in the vibe of a a Wes Anderson, Um, something that's a lot more structured and something that's a lot more kind of contemplated and neat and see... What he, how he can maneuver within a world like that, right? Because that juxtaposed with with a, a Babylon or even a even a, a Whiplash is um, two entirely different dynamics of of movie making. And I think Justin Hurwitz, uh, as proved in First Man, can do something really cool and really interesting when he goes in a little bit different of a direction. So I think that that would be kind of a, a little bit of fun. Um, so in line. With that idea of thinking of, you know, in 10 or 15 or 20 years, is Herbert's going to find someone new and be the guy that unlocks it? His partnership with Chazelle, do you, I'm, I'm curious from like a personal standpoint, do you guys view this as um, something that is good, something that is beneficial? Like, oh, these two guys are just going to keep doing it and hitting and, you know, going batting 100? Or are we at a point now 
uh, where it might be time to, to spice things up a little bit and, and kind of go and experiment with some other things. Ben, what do you, what do you think about their partnership? I think their partnership has worked really well. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing, but it does feel strangely. I mean, it feels weird to say it's about like an Oscar winner, but like it feels kind of limiting because it's like, uh, huh. I mean, we're looking at his IMDb and he has nothing coming up, you know? And it's like, all right, like, are you just waiting for Damien to call you and be like, cool, I have a movie written, like, get ready. Right. Like, I don't know what he does outside of working with Giselle, whereas Gorenson has obviously like Mandalorian and other projects that he works on. John Williams will go do Harry Potter, you know, when he's not with like George Lucas or Spielberg, like he, like there's other routes that he goes. And I'm kind of curious to see what um, his like, first non Chazelle project will be. So it just feels like, I don't know. Again, this is an Oscar winner and I'm just a dude who's on a podcast, but it's just like, <laughs> it just feels like kind of limiting where it's like, I want to see what else you can do. Like, can you do something that yeah. isn't like jazz based? Like what, like right. I'm curious what would be outside of that. So um, yeah, it feels, uh, I, I just want to see what else he can do. Cause I think he obviously he's got the skills, like he knows what he's doing, but I'm curious to see what it would be like paired up with somebody else. I think he's at a really interesting spot in his career right now where if he does make that decision to go with someone else, I think he can see a lot of growth and I think he could see um, mm. really an expanse of like his abilities and, and understanding things outside of this strictly like boisterous jazz world that he is, of course, so good at doing. He's winning Academy Awards for it. So it is this really interesting dichotomy of like, if it's if it's not broke, don't fix it. But also like, I don't like, I don't know, man. You've been doing you've been with the same guy for 15 years. So is there something, some kind of magic out there that might unlock you a little bit more than what you're getting out of Chazelle? And it feels like after Babylon, after the exceptionally unfortunate dumpster fire at the box office that Babylon was, this might be that time for him to make that decision. Uh, Bethann, what do you think about it? So I kind of see it like two different paths that he could take. I think, you know, he could become like the Tarantino of the music world and he only comes mm -hmm. out like for eight movies. And that's that's it. That's what he wants to do. And I mm. could see that and I could respect that. On the other end of things, I think about it from a kind of timeline cultural perspective in that I think right now he's in a good niche. But in five or ten years, is that niche still going to be in existence? And mm. I would argue there has to be some kind of adaptability. So it's really, you know, it's kind of a yes to both for me. I could see him being more of that classic, I only come out for these films, like like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, he only right. comes out for certain roles, and that's it. Or it could be like if he wants to have more of a career, like a Ludwig career, where he's just kind of working. You know, I think there does need, if he wants to be more out there, there needs to be some more adaptability. Yeah, it's, it's tough because I don't know, and it like, I mean, you guys put me in a real pickle here because I love Babylon. You that's wrote like, the question. That's, that's yeah. my beloved. Well, here's the thing: is this is it's my <laughs> beloved Babylon, but I can't I can't ne neglect the facts, and the facts are it lost a fuck ton of money at the box office. It was a it was a mm -hmm. it did very poorly. Um, and you know, whatever reasons aside, I, I just wonder will Chazelle, especially now, will Chazelle ever? be bigger than he is right now like well like what does his growth look like because if mm. if Hurwitz is tied to that growth you have to look at it from Giselle's perspective and say you know okay you've got no projects upcoming right now you did just sign a Paramount first look deal what does that mean right it, how many movies are we talking about over how long um are they going to be uh original are they going to be adaptations are they going to be uh maybe IP one day you just don't know and so I wonder how Chazelle himself continues to grow after Babylon. Cause that feels like that was the movie where it was like, not necessarily Nolan's Oppenheimer, but that was like the, the movie where it was just like, Chazelle is fucking here. And like, this is what he can do on the big screen. And it just didn't land. And, and, you know, several, several reasons aside, I think that's a really tough beat for both of these guys. Um, Justin Hurwitz is, 
only 39 years old. So we're talking about a, a big difference from people that have been in this realm for 40, 50 years. Uh, he has already won two Oscars. He's been nominated a total of four times. I'm going to assume, like we've been mentioning here, that he is going to have a pretty prosperous long career for, for at least the next while and in his life. Um, I'm just curious if he keeps composing for 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, if he stays with, with Chazelle or not, what do you guys think his success rate is going to be? Cause it just feels like at some point he has to dip, but he hasn't dipped in 10 years. Like he's just, he's just hit every single one out of the park. So can he keep up? with this uh, kind of like fierceness with his scores? Or is there going to become a, a point where he does kind of fall off? Uh, then what do you think? I mean, it's kind of, I'm going to kind of tackle in what you were kind of saying. Is he tied to Ch- Chazelle's growth? And if Chazelle doesn't make anything of note, then yes, he's, he's going to fall off. That's just yeah. how that's going to go. Um, but, I do think he is a strong enough composer. He definitely is one of, he uses really unique music theory in his compositions. And I think people really, especially with La La Land, really took that in. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like different cool chords, things you don't really hear as much. So there's definitely potential for growth for him to kind of continue down that path. It's just... I just feel I kind of agree after talking about this. He's kind of at a crux in his career, you know, which direction, which path are you going to take? Yeah, I totally agree. Ben. Yeah. uh, I mean, I just kind of echo what Beth Ann said. Like there's this trajectory seems impossible to uphold. It's, it's too stacked. Again, like we take out that movie. It's like he has two wins and two nominations. So four total nominations, and he's done four films. Like, that's crazy to think about. Um, you know, and I'm going through right now, the guy that I feel like, you know, kicked off this podcast and kind of the bar is John Williams, you know, and he, you know, no one's like, Hey, don't you love the BFG soundtrack? You know, but like he did it, you know, but it's like, it's fine. Not everything can hit, you know, cause he also worked on, he fucking did star Wars, you know? So it's just like, yeah, he can have a BFG. Like that's totally fine. Yeah. Like that can happen. So yeah, I mean, it may fall off a little bit, but it doesn't mean it won't bounce back. I think it'll just kind of, uh, you know, ebb and flow. And uh, I don't know, but so much of it is tied to, like like we've all said, just like I'm curious to see the growth that he has. Like, where else can he can he go here? It is a, a really um, kind of a quandary for, for Hurwitz because he is part of, like, this new generation of composers with this new era of movies that we're living in right now, which is completely different than it, the 80s, the 90s, even the early aughts of, of making some of these um, truly iconic movies that like scores have just stuck around and have really shaped the way things are. Um, I don't think there's as much leeway with that now, especially in, in movie making hard to really like insert yourself as coming up with like the Imperial March like that, like those opportunities just don't present themselves as much anymore. So Hurwitz has a has a a tough like time to live in. I think he's gonna keep winning Oscars. Like I, I genuinely do. I, I do not understand, and I still don't. I still like would just not understand. Ben, you were there with me when it happened. Yeah. Like, how did All Quiet on the Western Front score win over Babylon? I just don't. I know I love Babylon, but like I just don't get that. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but he was nominated, and I think. Again, there's there's like so many different parts of this. Like, is the Academy off Hurwitz? Like, is or, you know, is has he done the same thing too many times? Where the Academy is just going to be like, we got it. You like jazz, understood? You know, and 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 like, let's see something else. Let's hear a couple of bumps and and get wild. Like, I don't know. And and that's always tough. That's always really hard to navigate what someone's you know future potential might be for winning awards and things like that. But I do think Justin Hurwitz will continue to put out incredibly original scores that really could only come from him and really are only noticeable as his. You talk about all of these, they, they couldn't be anybody else's. They, they literally could only really be Hurwitz's. Um, let's finish off this conversation with 
a question that goes back to episode one of this podcast. Um, good friend of the show, good friend of friend of ours, uh, Thomas Carter Rochester. I attended this round that round table at the time, and he threw out this question and really threw me off off um, my my rocker a little bit. So I wanted to bring it back and throw it to you guys as well. You got to pick one Justin Hurwitz song to have sex to. And it could be any, it could be any of his songs. Doesn't matter. It could be for the title, the song, whatever you want it to be. Um, and I'll start with you because I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. Wait, which direction are you going with this one? Well, it's funny you say that because we did already talk about this song. It is Fletcher's song in Club. <laughs> um, I think it's got <laughs> what it's a kind of mellow. Pick. It really is. Um, but the, the key component here is it's only a minute and a half long and that's like <laughs> a lot more time than I need. So I don't know what I'm gonna do with that extra minute, but, uh, you know, we guys, we just sit and listen to the music. So that's, uh, I'm going to go with Fletcher's song in club. You get a little two for there. You get, you, you, yeah. you bang it out and then you get to listen to a dynamite song. <laughs> I just get to relax <laughs> after. Yeah. Get to relax. Light oh up, light up your, light up a cigarette and throw in some khakis, Chris Ryan style and just <laughs> get to go. You gotta have it on a vinyl, shit. man. Yeah, <laughs> there you yeah, go. Exactly. Get some bourbon, get a cigar. Oh my afterwards. God. Wow. Uh, okay. Beth Ann, what about you? Not a song, a snippet, a theme. Oh, the theme in La La Land where it goes dun 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 dun, and it's solely because I just love that theme. That's it. That's the reasoning. I just think fair enough. That yeah, that's it. That's the reasoning. I think it's just a kick-ass theme, and sex can be kick-ass. It can sometimes. This is fair. This is fair. You find um, what you like and repeat it, you know, just like that thing. <laughs> so, and, yeah, and, you know, you I'm can just it. keep it on the loop. Like, just Bring put it, it on TikTok, yeah. let it loop in, yep. just keep it going. That's good stuff. Um, I'm gonna, I will say, I'm gonna, oh, sorry, go ahead. I want to hear your pick. No, 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 go go vamp because I haven't locked in yet. <laughs> I mean, I've been, like, listening a little bit to some of these other songs, and, I mean, Coke Room is just chaos, man. Like, that would just be Bananas. nuts. It's like, boom, boom. Boom. Like it's just like that is a driving like theme right there. So that would be uh, I don't that's that's not making love music. That's that's fucking music. You know, that's uh, that's what that is. And that'd be oh, an interesting selection. Oh, my I'm going to in honor choose that for Thomas because I feel like that's what he would that's choose. Good. Yeah. That's exactly that's- or just like J.K. Simmons yelling at people. I feel yeah. like that matches Thomas's vibe. Just him like, are you dragging or are you, are you speeding? Are you dragging? If I had a dollar every time I heard it's not quite my tempo, you know. uh... Not quite my tempo. (laughs) (laughs) I think you guys picked some really, really good ones. Um, Look, I would be, I would be remiss if I didn't pick the song titled "My Girl's Pussy" off Babylon. Um, Yes. I mean, look, that's why I'm. That's what I'm here for. That's why. That's why we're we're doing this. Um, I don't know how it would would play logistically because it's a. it's a very strange song and it's really kind of just like one person singing in a whisper type tone. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, it's the, the ideas there, the core values are there. Um, I could also like alternatively put out, um, Caravan from Whiplash. I think that that song mm-hmm. fucking rips. And, uh, I think that would, that would just keep the energy high and it's look, it's original and it's, it's fiery. And I think that would be a really good energy to bring to this, you know, group activity. Can't go wrong. You know, group activity, indeed. I didn't see I just, my... Oh, God. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm just like, I like the visual of, like, you having to call out the song on, like, Alexa before things get going. Like, hey, <laughs> go ahead and play My Girl's Pussy. Let's get the mood going. <laughs> and that's when I snap and all my candles automatically light up and the lights I love it. dim. <laughs> yeah, and your clothes just, like, rip away. You're just like, I'm ready to go. Let's Air do off, this. yeah. <laughs> You know, I didn't see My Girl's Pussy on the This Is Justin Hurwitz Spotify playlist, too, so it threw me too for Too deep a loop. of a cut. Too deep of a cut. It's, it's too it has deep, to be. to be honest. Dang, <laughs> well, dude. very that's good answers. That's a B-side answers. track. Uh, I, yeah, that's a good, it's a good B-side right there. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of good options here from the Hurwitz um, kind of uh, filmography, if you will, with Chazelle. Um Really interesting composer. Really uh, excited to see what he does next and where he goes uh, with with himself and with Chazelle. I think their kind of uh, duo within Hollywood is undeniable, and I and I think they're at a really interesting 
point in both of their careers. Um, ben, Ben, then, thanks for joining me on this roundtable. This was a blast. I can't believe, Ben, you showed up for one. That's really nice of you. And uh, Ben, I can't, We're glad you're here, ben, ben. I can't believe we finally got to record this. Um, I this know. Is great. Uh, ben, where can people find you if they want to want to listen to more of you? I'm really glad to be here too. It felt weird to be the like the first time I show up is mine. I was like, I need to I need to attend one before <laughs> that happens. So uh, super happy to be here. Uh, people want to find me. I'm everywhere at Benny Burrito. Um, you can also find one of my podcasts at Three Films Pod for the time being. Um, you know, 2024, we're kind of switching things up. And these two lovely people that I'm talking to right now are going to be some of our first guests. Uh, We're going to be talking about some unsung gems and we're kicking it off with directorial debuts, which one could argue whiplash might qualify for that. So um, yeah, go follow us at three films pod and stay up to date with all the changes that we have coming. Absolutely. Uh, Beth Ann, where can people find you at? You can find me at Beth Ann Tarpley. Um, pretty simple there. I have two podcasts. She will rock you at, um, and this one that you're listening to cinematic symphony. So be sure to follow all the antics. Always a good follow Beth Ann. I highly recommend it. Ben, you're okay too. Um, Thank you. So I have a quick question. Is, is someone compiling all of our songs into a sex playlist? Because I think that'd be a great idea. Wow. That's that genius. is a fantastic idea. Right? We need the, symph- I yeah, love the this. symphony playlist. I'm, pr- the I'm sex pretty playlist. sure I chose Hedwig's theme for my first one. So that'll <laughs> yes, be a you did. wild time. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm pinning that for when we finish the series. Yeah, wow. I love it. That's a great idea. Um, wonderful. You can find me over at uh, 24 Minutes of A24 with Ben as my co-host. We talk about um, the latest and greatest and uh, the big catalog and library of A24 movies and shows, uh, 24 minutes at a time, which is super exciting. We have some really, really fun stuff planned uh, upcoming. We're going to do a Bo is Afraid watch along. We're going to do some collaborative drafts. We're going to do some really, really fun stuff. Um, under the A24 umbrella. You can also find me on uh, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, threads, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, the whole shebang, at uh, Ethan Simi. Follow me on, on Twitter because I need validation that my movie <laughs> memes are funny, honestly. Um, they are so funny. So that would be great. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's great validation. Um, a wonderful roundtable. Awesome to talk about Hurwitz. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much for listening to Cinematic Symphony. Cinematic Symphony is a collaborative podcast between friends and fans of the movie and music world. Thanks to Ethan Simi for covering this episode on Justin Hurwitz. You can find Cinematic Symphony on wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Good Pods. You also can follow us on Twitter or X, wherever you want to call it, at Cinematic S-Y-M-Pod. We'll see you next time.